Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Dishes and Dimes podcast. I'm your host, Christian Oblena, and today, today we have some alarming news um, coming from the NBA bubble. It is Monday, July 13th um, in the afternoon. I'm recording this uh, right after some crazy news here, so... Um, let's get right into it. Uh, this episode, I really want to talk about um, the contenders, uh, the title contenders in this NBA restart in the NBA bubble. I have uh, about eight teams that I think have the best chance to win the NBA finals this year. Um, give or take seven or eight. Uh, the, the last one um, is a kind of shaky pick, but uh, it's there. Um, so I have five title contenders, um, like kind of five favorites, I guess. And then three, a couple sleepers, like a couple teams that, um, if all things go right, um, they may find themselves in the NBA finals. Um, as weird and, uh, shaky this situation is in the NBA bubble, um, that can only translate, to how things happen on the court as well, how th- the playoff seedings um, kind of evolves and how the playoffs kind of go on. Um, we're going to be seeing things, seeing uh, teams do things that may be totally different than what they were last doing in March, right? And that's the most interest- interesting thing about this restart is that we can't take some of these games um, before the suspension, um, we can't take those games and use them accurately on what's going to happen, um, you know, in this NBA restart, right? Uh, just because a team uh, destroyed another team um, in the regular season um, earlier this year uh, doesn't mean it's going to happen the same um, for this restart, it's not going to translate completely, right? Um, there's going to be some, there's not going to be some, but there's going to be a lot of changes and some players drastically physically have changed. Um, some players aren't even going to be playing. And so a lot of these teams are in weird situations, uh, before, the league was suspended, but let's go into what we kind of found out earlier, uh, at the end of this weekend and earlier Monday morning. So starting off, uh, last night, uh, Rajon Rondo point guard, Los Angeles Lakers was uh, reported to have injured his hand slash wrist. And it's a pretty serious injury by reports. Um, he actually fractured, his thumb and will miss up to up to six to eight weeks and we we're just talking about in the last episode about Avery Bradley and how he's choosing to sit out and in the past week or two people are talking about Rondo being the guy to you know take up those minutes uh, maybe there's a reality where um, playoff Rondo is back remember playoff Rondo from the Bulls and then against the um or when he was on the Pelicans, you know, those two years where 
his playoff series were were incredible. It was like he was Boston Rondo all over again out of nowhere. Um, you know, after a couple of years of not doing so hot, of kind of losing his athleticism, losing a lot of his um, impact um, before, I think, 2017, 2018, those are the two years of playoff Rondo, right? And then... This year, he hasn't been too strong um, coming off the bench or sometimes starting at the point guard. But with him on the floor, it didn't make too much sense with him and LeBron. And so a lot of the different things happened throughout this regular season. But now he's injured. So those are two, I guess, critical. I mean, those are two critical players for the Lakers. Um, More so Avery Bradley. But I mean, Rondo, if he were to make an impact you know, that would have been a really good break for them. Um, despite, you know, some of his lackluster play this season. And that's a huge hit. Um, I think reports say that they're not allowed to sign someone to substitute him. Um, I may have to fact check on that, but yeah, so that's a huge blow. I mean, those guard minutes will probably have to go to like more so Caruso, uh, more Quinn Cook, uh, maybe longer minutes for uh, KCP. Um, and so, you know, even though this is a huge hit for them, it doesn't change the kind of title contention that the Lakers are already in I feel like in my opinion they are the team that probably has the best chance to win this year's championship to win this year's finals I mean you have LeBron James on a mission and well I mean we'll get into him as a title contender and the Lakers uh, later on in this episode but you know I don't think it's that crazy of a blow um, they do lose a body. They do lose someone with playoff experience. They do lose someone uh, with skills that can help the, help out the team. But you know, six eight weeks. Uh, that means he'll be coming back around mid September, and by that point, they'll be in what round two or three. Um. So. I mean, missing him for that long, it's good that they, I guess, I mean, on a positive note, I guess it's good that they start, you know, the regular season off without him. So I guess they could see and tamper with lineups and things like that. But I feel like if they lost him in the middle of the regular season or in the middle of the playoffs, that would have been a bigger blow. But I mean, we'll just have to see. Some people were saying that he looked rejuvenated in like last week's practices and things like that. And for those type of reports, it's like you really have to see it to believe it. Um, he hasn't really shown that many flashes throughout the regular season. Like, And after months of not playing, is he just going to come back and just be playoff Rondo? Like, who knows? Uh, I don't think that was a great thing to just rely on. But moving on, <laughs> we talked about, we always talk about the Lakers and Rondo. Um Russell Westbrook reportedly has tested positive for coronavirus. And, you know, it wasn't 
I'm not too surprised only because uh, last week they reported that Russell Westbrook and James Harden didn't travel with the team uh, last week when everyone was arriving to Orlando in Orlando. And, you know, that scares me also because James Harden was also not with the team. And if Russell Westbrook and James Harden were both quarantining away from the team last week and Russell Westbrook just got tested positive uh, this morning, then, I mean, put two and two together, maybe we're missing stuff, but it does sound like, and it does seem like James Harden also will test positive for the coronavirus, uh, whether they release that or not. Uh, we'll never know. Um, well, obviously, we'll know if they release it, but you know, it, it's it is a scary sign if both Westbrook and Harden were quarantined and then they both didn't travel the team, and now Westbrook just tested positive. So, you know, kind of put those pieces to the puzzle together. I feel like uh, he does, and I won't be surprised if James Harden came out and said maybe even later today or tomorrow or something like that. And then, yeah, he tested positive. Um, so obviously they have to listen to the CDC. They have to quarantine Russell Westbrook. Um, he tweeted that he's feeling well after testing positive. And I'm usually all these players will feel okay, right? They're all in their physical peaks, their physical primes of their, of their lives, not just careers, but their lives, especially Russell Westbrook, who's someone that, um, is, pretty much a freak of nature um, with his speed, size, athleticism, and just everything. And so, you know, he's at peak condition. And I don't doubt that he will re- recover well. Um, like most of these players, we haven't seen any of the players test positive and really, like, um, be in a critical condition. I don't think, you know, their bodies will allow that. They're just too strong, too condition too healthy to really um be critically damaged you know by the by contracting the virus and so um but it, i mean it will be interesting just seeing how he'll be able to come back obviously the season is starting um in pretty much uh two weeks or actually no i'm sorry not two weeks um 17 days right so two and a half weeks pretty much um it takes around uh, 10 days or so to quarantine from uh, self-quarantining from the league protocols and things like that. So obviously they'll follow that and he'll come back and he'll have to kind of be um, reevaluated by doctors and and everything. Everyone has to follow the protocols. Obviously a player coming back from coronavirus this soon, um, it's going to be pretty shaky with kind of the return of both Westbrook. I'm not going to say Harden yet maybe because the news isn't out that he tested positive. I'm not going to confirm that um, blindly. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I it's it's another player, um, another star being tested positive for the coronavirus. Obviously, we all know that Adam Silver said that he has to wait for a bunch of other cases to fully think about you know, canceling the restart. And according to Shams, 
Um, the MBA and the MBPA release uh, the latest coronavirus testing results. Um, of the 322 players tested for COVID-19 since arriving on the MBA campus July 7, two have returned confirmed positive tests while in quarantine. Those players never cleared quarantine and have since left the campus to isolate at home or in isolation housing. Um, since July 1st, testing in market uh, during in-market testing, 19 NBA players newly tested positive. Uh, these players are staying in their home markets. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so everyone has to follow the CDC guidelines and NBA rules. Um, yes, I mean, uh, we can't expect the numbers to go down. Obviously, these players are always together um, in practices and things like that, so... Um, hopefully no one else on the Rockets has tested po- will or will test positive. Um, and even there's some reports earlier that some players have broken quarantine and have to isolate in the room for eight days. Uh, one of them being Bruno Caboclo uh, on the Rocket. Oh, well, <laughs> he's on the Rockets. Um, but he didn't, I don't know if he tested positive, but he he broke quarantine um also there's a report that uh Rashawn Holmes has also broke quarantine. Uh, it looks like he was picking up delivery from Postmates and yeah, and he inadvertently crossed the line and now he has to self-quarantine. And so I mean, think about it, it's only been less than a week and we've seen Two people test positive. We've seen a couple of people break the the boundary rules and the, the protocols of quarantining, and you know we're only less than a week into it. Um, obviously, players are probably known by now after those two mishaps that the boundaries are real and that the rules should be followed to the best of their ability and things like that, and so. We can't be surprised of seeing more things like this happen, especially uh, just with so many people in the bubble, right? And still waiting for other people to come in, um, especially those people who have coronavirus and are going to come back in the bubble. And, oh man, that's, it's a scary thought, right? It's just a scary thought to think if more and more keep going, then... Adam Silver will have to, will be forced to make a decision on whether to continue the restart. Um, but enough of that. I guess let's let's talk about, I think the last couple of episodes we've just been talking about so many uh, negative things, <laughs> even though, you know, this situation is totally different from any other season. Let's talk about the title contenders within the NBA bubble. And so there's 22 teams, right? Um... Each some of these teams uh, have lost players. Some of these teams have players that have gone through drastic changes. For example, the Nuggets with Jokic losing a bunch of weight, uh, Marcus All losing a bunch of weight, uh, James Harden losing a bunch of weight, um, Victor Oladipo not playing because of injury um, was waiting. Is he's waiting to, you know, get. Uh, get healthier, right? He he came. He returned earlier this season, 
Um, but I guess he wasn't fully 100%. And so he's just going to wait this one out and compete next year. Uh, in the next NBA season, whenever that will be. And so, so different things like that. Some players are just kind of injury-ridden. For example, the Brooklyn Nets uh, just signing Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley, but without Irving, without KD, without uh, Dinwiddie, without DeAndre Jordan, uh, you know, just losing that core of guys. And now they're playing with a with like Karis LeVert, Jamal Crawford, and Joe Harris. Um, not looking too good. And so I feel like those two moves, um, yes, they are there to replace the guys that are missing, but also I think they're there for a tryout for next season, right? Like two vets who... Jamal Crawford is a very reliable vet, even turning 40. Um, in his last game, I mean, he scored 51 with the Suns. And, you know, he's still got it. He's always that type of guy, type of player to just, you can just plug him in anywhere and he'll get some buckets. And so Beasley's the, the huge question mark. I don't know what he has been doing um, without being on a team. And... How good he'll be, I don't know. He hasn't been great anyway the past couple of years he's been playing. Um, it just looks like a little tryout for next season. Um, the Nets still, if they want to compete for the title next year, you know, having Irving and KD healthy and DeAndre Jordan and Laverde and Dinwiddie, you know, they need some other savvy vets. Crawford can be one of them. Get you buckets from off the bench. Beasley could maybe be that guy in, in a perfect world if he plays a, a good role. And so it's not out of the question. So I think the Nets are just kind of rolling the dice here. Let's see what works and what doesn't. Um, but yeah, let's go into this. So I have five favorites. I have five teams that, in my opinion, will have the best chance to win the NBA, to get to the NBA Finals and win the NBA Finals. One of them being, obviously, the Los Angeles Lakers. And then we have the Los Angeles Clippers. We have the Bucks, the Raptors, and the Celtics coming out of the East. Um, I have three sleeper teams. Uh, one of them being Houston. Uh, I don't know if they're sleepers, but they're kind of like, I guess they're like the if the five teams I just mentioned are like A tier, these teams are like B tier in terms of title contention. So my B tier is uh, the Rockets uh, and then the Miami Heat and then the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, so let's go back to the title contenders. Let me give out some key points, some quick questions on what I think they need to answer. Um, some key points of what I think can be X factors, what I think, um, you know, can be the best possible outcome for them um, if these things happen. So let's let's get on the list. So let's start with the Lakers. Um, I think even when the NBA was announced that they were going to restart, uh, the Lakers were the team that I thought would probably be the favorite to win the finals. 
uh, mostly because of LeBron James. And, you know, just knowing who he is after, what, 17, 18 years of playing the league. And it's 17 years, I guess. Yeah, is, is this year 17? I think so. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, he's just on a mission, right? He is smart enough to know that this is probably one of his best chances to win on a team with Anthony Davis, uh, Danny Green, good role players. Uh, I mean, he knows that this is a great chance for him, especially in this NBA bubble, in this weird sort of uh, situation that we're in. He knows that this opportunity to do it. And most of it is just my belief that he can go get it. Um, I think given any type of basketball situation, LeBron has proven he could work around it. Um, and now with only Basil on staying healthy to concentrate on as he's getting to that point of his career of almost, you know, playing 20 years in the league, this is the right opportunity for him to grab, you know, his fourth finals win. And think about if he does win this finals, right? If the Lakers win and maybe he's MVP again and he'll have those two back-to-back Miami years. He'll have the obviously 3-1 down uh, against the Warriors when he was on the Cavs in 2016. And then he'll have this coronavirus Larry O'Brien trophy in 2020. And those will be like the four weirdest, not weirdest, but very unique finals, right? Going to the Heat, winning those two back-to-backs after losing as the Mavericks. And then going back home to Cleveland, winning that, uh, winning that one for Cleveland, and then coming to the Lakers and winning this weird season of the coronavirus. Like that would be a crazy story. And, you know, with him at the head of a ship, it's championship or bust literally every year. And so the Lakers know that. Returning back, they they have they lead the league in blocks. They're they're playing great defensively. Uh, their size, uh, Dwight Howard has had a rejuvenated year in his career, and everything is, seems to be looking good for them, um, except for the Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo deal. And if they could work around that, if they could figure out a good lineup, and if people can step up like a Caruso, like a KCP, like maybe a Quinn Cook. Right. If these guys can step up, then you know it's it's LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Lakers, and it's pretty self-explanatory. They've had a, a really great season. Um, I thought it would take a little while to gel, but after it did gel, but boy, like they they were amazing this year. So uh, because of LeBron James, obviously he's a title contender every year. Uh, next up is is the Los Angeles Clippers, right? Uh, the other team in LA, uh, they didn't have a great of a season as we expected, um, due to, you know, load management and different injuries. And, you know, there's no more time for that as these seeding games mean so much every night. Um, how healthy are Kawhi and PG after, uh, this semi semi off season type right this little suspension that we have for four months you know how healthy are they um 
you know, there, I saw this interesting stat that uh, because of various injuries, load management, and a closing lineup that differs from the starting one, uh, Leonard, George, uh, Beverly, Lou Will, and Harrell have played only 56 minutes together all season. And we're, we've been constantly talking about this lineup being probably their best lineup offensively and defensively. Um, you know, led, I mean, they led by suffocating 84.4 defensive rating. Uh, this five-man unit has posted a net rating of plus 14, while that usually would destroy like almost every team uh, in the NBA. It is extremely small sample size um, of just 56 minutes, right? And that's over 64 games. 56 minutes together is minuscule. It's 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 a it's a tiny amount compared to how much they've they had a chance to play together all season. And that's just load management and injuries, and you know that's how they wanted to run things. And but you know this is a different story. This is right into the fray as the season starts. Um, eight games against good teams. And yeah, I mean, those are the type of questions, right? It's all about chemistry. It's all about gelling together. We thought that they would be, you know, a 60, 65 win team this year with just how crazy their defensive potential and um, how amazing Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are. And just having those two wings out there at the three and the four, you know, playing small or something. And... I mean, we haven't seen them at like a high, a super high level yet. And that is the one thing that is questionable. That's the one thing that I'm kind of banking on is that if they were to get up to the NBA finals, if they were to, you know, compete for Kawhi Leonard getting back-to-back titles on two different teams, then, you know, this chemistry thing really has to gel and maybe some role players need to step up. I know they still have Reggie Jackson. They just signed Reggie Jackson and like Joakim Noah uh, earlier before the you know the trade deadline and all the the signings um, off the waiver wire uh, ended. But yeah, that's the biggest thing for me as the the biggest question is just their chemistry and how they can gel because but at this time in the regular season. Um, gearing up for the playoffs, that's all you're really looking for, right? You have the players, you have the pieces, you have maybe the lineup um, and game plan type X's and O's and things like that, but do you have the chemistry? Do you have um, the trust? you have that bond that kind of makes your team better uh, on both ends of the floor? So moving on, um, the Milwaukee Bucks... We all know that Giannis is motivated to win this year. Most likely, maybe most likely back-to-back MVPs. Uh, can he get over the hump in the playoffs of falling short these last couple of years? And we all know how good the Bucks are. Uh, first in the East. I think the biggest question for them is not talent or X's and O's. I mean, they have everything. Um, kind of similar to the to the Clippers, not really. Like, we all know that Kawhi and Paul George can be clutch. I'm wondering that for Giannis and Middleton, right? It's it's more so who on this team can make the winning plays, who on this team can make that that X-factor difference. Um, is it always going to be on Giannis or Middleton's shoulders? 
Um, in the past, they haven't shown that they can shoulder that weight and get over the hump. Um, faced by adversity, even last year against Kawhi, uh, they were up 2-0 against the Raptors, and the Raptors won four games in a row, right? Um, partly being Kawhi just going absolutely bonkers, but I think you know maybe Giannis and Middleton weren't ready for that moment at that time last year, but this is a new season. They're obviously better. Uh, Giannis is on a monstrous level right now. Uh, super dominant. And they have the chemistry. They have the talent. But is it up to... It's really just up to them on whether they could shoulder that weight in the clutch. Whether who can make that winning play. Is it not going to be those two? Is it going to be George Hill or Brooke Lopez or Derek Bledsoe or... Um, uh, DiVincenzo? You know, th- some of these guys... You need some of these guys to come off the bench, right? The, the the Raptors had Fred Van Fleet come up big. They had Siakam kind of grow into his own. Um, even when the Warriors won, you know, they had some good plays from David West and uh, some, you know, some impact plays from not just Steph, Clay, KD, or Steph, Clay, Draymond, or whoever. All right, they had... Andrew Bogut uh, in the 2015 year. Uh, they had certain guys that could make an impact on a game or two. And the Bucks, every championship team needs that. And so that's what I'm looking for in the Bucs. Uh, who's going to give them that slight edge in you know, a heavyweight bout? If they're going up against Lakers or the Clippers or whoever in the West, right? They're going to need someone to make that play. And that's my question is, who is going to be that guy? Uh, the Bucks start typical starting lineup of Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe, Lopez, and Wesley Matthews is posting a net rating of 19 point, plus 19.1 in 408 minutes. Uh, healthy sample size that suggests this team could be the team's, I guess, quote-unquote death lineup. Um, as good as the five have been together, better combinations have emerged. Um, so I saw this stat. Uh, swapping out Matthews for DiVincenzo has resulted in a net rating of plus 22 in 40 minutes. Now, you know, with with even Marvin Williams coming off the bench, you know, Giannis can play center. Um, so they could really experiment with a small ball lineup with Giannis at center. Uh, I think that's scary. Uh, just having four shooters around Giannis, uh, you know, just... Towing in different lineups, they have the pieces, they have the talent. It's just who's going to be that guy that hits the big shot, right? This is a new title contending team, and maybe the roles haven't been set, and we'll just have to see, you know, going into this bubble, who's going to be that guy for them. Uh, up next, we have the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory for them why they're so good. Nick Nurse has shown he's probably the best coach in the NBA right now. Um, a lot of their guys have been stepping up. Terrence Davis, uh, OG Ananobi, uh, Norman Powell has, have, has had a great season. Everyone from like 1 to 7, 1 to 8 are just super solid. Nothing is really particularly weak for them. They have great guards. Great wings who could score and defend. Uh, their bigs are good. 
uh, Ibaka, Gasol, even Chris Boucher at times uh, will have will put in some impact plays. And so they just have great chemistry. They have great defense. They have good game plans, right? So Nick, what Nick Nurse is so good at is that like an NFL team from week to week, he'll have different, you know, the team will have different game plans based on a, a different team that they face. Um, and it's very similar to this, right? And so Nick Nurse kind of plans out um, something for each team, uh, whether they'll play zone. I mean, the Toronto Raptors zone defense has been talked about by other coaches and executives all season long, and they they know that how good the Raptors defense is. Uh, Marcus all losing a bunch of weight. Is that good or bad? I think it was kind of questionable. I don't think it's that beneficial for them only because, you know, I think his game was accentuated because of his size, right? Um, being so big, he could pound in the paint. He could, you know, get positioning, um, as an older body, I know maybe having too much weight is bad. I don't know how fast or how better how nimble he'll more nimble he'll be by losing weight but um you know i don't know how much that benefits them only because i think marcus all's size was a a positive part of his game um but i think toronto's actually i don't know if no no i mean toronto is Probably my number two team in the East uh, over this next team, which is the Boston Celtics. And I think uh, the biggest questions for me for the Celtics are, is Tatum going to be, is Tatum that good? Well, actually, I mean, I know the question and answer. I think he is that good. Is he going to be that guy? Is he going to be that best player on the court for them uh, to an NBA championship? That's it's It's honestly pretty simple. Obviously, he's had a, an amazing season this year. Um, becoming one of the top 10 best players in the league right now. Um, top 10, top 12 maybe. And so even with Kemba missing a bunch of time uh, recently or you know before the NBA suspension, he was missing some time. Is he going to come back and is that going to mess up anything? Uh, is, is this Tatum's team now in terms of in the clutch? Is it going to be Tatum or walker with at with the ball at the end of the shot clock um yeah so my only question for them is uh how are you fitting back Kemba walker into the lineup um you know who's going to be that guy that takes the last shot obviously i think these two guys are very unselfish i don't think walker has a problem with tatum kind of taking the reins sometimes um at this point in his career, Kemba Walker can really only worry about work, uh, winning. He's been on really bad situations in Charlotte. And so that's why he went to Boston, right? So my only question is that, uh, how does Kemba look with the team coming back? And how amazing, how good is Jason Tatum to take him to the next level? And so moving on to my sleeper teams. My sleeper teams are Houston. Uh, the Miami Heat and the Blazers, and so starting off with Houston, obviously with their crazy news with Russell Westbrook and now kind of Harden being in question, um, it is going to be interesting. It looks like he lost like twenty to thirty pounds. I I think losing size 
is a negative for offense, but probably a positive for defense. Positive being he's much faster. Uh, it's quicker on his feet, most likely. Uh, and, you know, that'll help him if on his defensive rotations, if he tries. <laughs> and um, offensively, I just don't think that being slimmer is going to help him out too much. I think his body, I was able to get him some buckets, especially inside uh, when botting off uh, some defenders going to the paint, maybe taking some contact uh, while finishing at the rim, you know, things like that. And having less, um, I guess being slim, slimmer, less thick, I don't know how to say it, but I don't think that's going to help him too much offensively, but he may be just faster and quicker. Like who knows? Maybe he's just shiftier, uh, after losing a bunch of weight. So who knows? Um, obviously we have to see what type of news Russ Westbrook, what kind of shape he's in after, uh, coming back to playing um, after all this coronavirus stuff ends. Um, some interesting stats in over 164 minutes, uh, over 10 games, a five-man unit of Harden, Westbrook, Covington, Daniel House, and P.J. Tucker, Tucker have posted a terrific net rating of plus 10.7. And with Eric Gordon swapped in for Daniel House, the Rockets still have a net plus of 7.1 in 45 minutes. Uh, the biggest concern with them going small is just getting bullied inside by bigger, stronger power forwards and centers. We all knew this when they treated Capella. And so far, it hasn't affected the team's defense as a five-man lineups with House and Gordon have posted defensive ratings of 100.6 or lower, uh, which is actually really good. And they've actually scared a couple teams. They had that big win in LA that one time. Um, but I'm not going to put too much weight on it just because the situation is so much different than that. And I think if this is the time to really push for small ball, obviously they are pushing for small ball. This is the season. This is the situation in which it can work out. Um, literally coming back from a four month span, coming back to a NBA bubble, coming back to no fans, you know, uh, as weird as the situation is and as weird as and calculated as the Rockets formula is for basketball, um, this is probably the best situation it and it can work. Uh, Miami, um, part of the reason why I think that they are a sleeper pick to win the NBA Finals is purely just because of organization or organizational powers. Um, they've always been a team that has always made sure they had the most prepared, conditioned, disciplined, you know, the whole Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, they always want their players to be um, at peak condition. Um, how will those team tenants kind of manifest into success for the Heat and the bubble? Um, being healthy, um, always being focused, especially in this quarantine, it's, it may be, in my opinion, it might be easier to be distracted in this bubble uh, than normally. And that might be a weird situation, but might be a weird thing to say. But um, since the situation is so weird, everyone has to take so many precautions. Um, might be a weird situation for all these teams, right, in the bubble. And I mean, they've Miami has always been a team with defensive identity and good role players. Who's going to step up for them? Jimmy Butler has shown he's been clutch. Jimmy Butler has shown that he can be a guy that could lead a team. It's just basically his supporting cast. Is Duncan Robinson going to shoot well still? 
is um, Bam Adebayo still going to continue his great defensive season? Um, and are his young are the young guys on this team going to step up? That's pretty much the question at play here for the Miami Heat. Um, moving on to the Blazers this is my last type of team, I guess, to really make a run uh, for the title. And why I think this is just because Dame Lillard is that good. Damian Lillard is just that good. Um, he led the team to the Western Conference Finals last year off an amazing playoff run. They also have Nurkic and Zach Collins coming back. So that's more bodies, even though they haven't played all season. That's, you know, two big bodies to play um, in kind of little spurts of minutes. Not always putting out Hassan Whiteside out there and Ed Davis or whatever. Um, so more bodies is going to help out and they're skilled, but obviously we don't know how they're going to play after missing so much time. Uh, Dame has just done it in almost every year in the playoffs by just raising the players ceiling with each, um, each year without much talent other than CJ McCollum. Um, it's just Dame's clutch performances and his, his will to win just kind of raises their ceiling every year. And, I'm just banking on the fact for the Blazers that in this situation, um, <laughs> Dame will just go off, right? And uh, we've seen it enough times to where it's not something out of the ordinary. Um, yeah, so I think those are my kind of evaluations for each uh, playoff contender, or I mean title contender. Um I think later on, or maybe before the season starts again, I can count down uh, the top players or look at other team situations and where I could see them, you know, proving other people wrong. Maybe like the Grizzlies or the or the Pelicans, um, you know, teams like that. Maybe the Sixers. Who knows, right? But I guess I could end this episode off with some early evaluations and predictions, just on in general. Um, what I think how the this season will kind of play out for any team, right? And so let me start off by saying this. It's super hard to predict which teams are going to be good because of the long time they've been away from playing, obviously, uh, not playing since March. It's almost like a legit offseason for them preparing for this restart. Um, we can't really take information for the last time these teams were playing because it's a completely new situation. Uh, there's no such thing as home court advantage. Everyone's playing on empty courts, maybe with some media people on the side, but that's pretty much it. Um, purely playing for seating and matchups. Uh, it's going to be a lot of game planning, I think, is going to be more involved. Uh, top four seeds don't get a luxury of starting the first round on their home court. Um, so home court advantage is not a thing, obviously. And... You know, that used to be such a good thing, right? The difference between a fourth and fifth seed is that the fourth seed gets to start that first round um, with home court advantage. And so they don't get that. Uh, playoffs with crowds is a concept that we've never seen before. Even at the lowest levels of basketball, there have some audience and, and, and atmosphere, right? Uh, it brings the intensity, the crowd noise, the the cheers, the boos, the, the shaky moments, right? And you feel that along with the crowd as a player on the court. Every Everyone's watching you. All the attention is on you. You know, what kind of intensity can these games have without massive crowds? Uh, so that's a big thing that I think will really affect it. Uh, teams with rest. Uh, 
obviously all these teams have not been playing. And so players who have had to go through load management, AKA Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, teams with kind of uh, injury ridden players uh, before the suspension. Now they come back healthier. And so that's a plus, right? We're not going to see Kawhi or Paul George take off any games Maybe the Bucks will rest some guys if they end up winning a bunch and they lock up that first seed. Maybe they'll rest some guys. But other than that, all these players are going to be playing um, because they've had so much rest. Uh, teams with the best chemistry and the best veteran players, uh, I think, will have the biggest advantage. Uh, when a team like Toronto, a team like the Bucks and the Lakers, I think those teams will work the best. Um, they have veteran players. They have guys that can, that have playoff experience. And those things just seem to weigh more than a lot of other things in the playoffs. Especially, especially in this restart where it's just all about the guys on the court. It has nothing to do with home court. It has nothing to do with... Um, with any other outside factor other than who you're putting on the court, who can make a difference, who can make an impact and who can make those winning plays. Like that's pretty much what it comes down to. That's what the playoffs are. Um, each team that has an X factor has the best advantage. And every time I think about this, I'm always thinking about the Raptors. I, I have this weird feeling. I have this really, really gut weird gut feeling that they could make it really far this year and who knows maybe i'll be proven wrong maybe they'll suck <laughs> who knows right but uh yeah those are my kind of key points right super hard to predict no home no home court uh, a lot of rest and chemistry and so yeah so this has been a kind of my evaluation of going into the bubble with title contenders um we'll Wait and see what, what other news kind of pops up in the next couple weeks until the restart. But until then, I hope you enjoy this episode. Please uh, give me a like. <laughs> give me a like. Give me a follow on Twitter. Uh, please follow us on Spotify as well if you're listening. Uh, share with your friends. Uh, it's exciting to be back in the NBA realm, but it is scary to think about the type of possibilities that can really ruin this season so uh yeah so to everyone stay safe um hope everyone's doing well and until next time peace